Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. This is Trading Spaces. It's 1 o'clock. Guy and I do these every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern live on Twitter Spaces. So that's what we're doing right now. They're brought to you by our sponsor of our podcast on the tape podcast that we do, Guy and I do with Danny Moses. It drops every Friday in the podcast stores. So they sponsor these two. So thanks to CME Group. Guy, a lot going on in the markets here. We just got your take on, on New York sports, uh, professional sports here. Um, it's not too frequent that we start a week out on a Monday with this sort of price action without any real headlines over the weekend. Would you agree with that? Yes. Um, very interesting. I don't know what the catalyst for this is other than, you know, again, I've said this and I'll say it. And I'm sure Danny has some thoughts on it. If the mantra, if you believe in the mantra, which I don't know what a mantra is, but if you believe in the don't fight the Fed mantra, typically said when, you know, the Fed is easing, adding liquidity, all those things, and that would mean you should be bullish and not fight them, then it stands to reason that if that's true one way, it should be true the other way. And I think that's what, in my opinion, I'm sure Danny has some thoughts, you as well, Dan, I think that's what the market's coming to grips with now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, you know, the S&P 500 closed up, what, 27.5% with dividends over 29% last year. There wasn't more than a 5.5% decline from any one of the highs that it made. It made 70 highs uh, last year, Guy. That was the second largest number, I think, since 1995 over the last 30 or so years. So we just really had an unabated um, rally in the market. So here we are. It's, you know, January 10th. The S&P is down three and a half percent. It's up a little bit from this morning's lows. The Nasdaq was down a little more than seven percent on the year. Um, you know, it's kind of come back a little bit here. And it really is it's just a story of kind of two markets in a way. Right. So you have a, a Microsoft that's down two percent today. It's down, you know, over eight percent on the year, um, but that's after, you know, a massive gain. I think it was, what, 45% higher last year. It didn't never sold off more than 8%. So it showed really good relative strength to some of its mega cap tech peers. So things are just kind of getting reorganized here a little bit, right? I, I mean, that's, that's right. the way I would think of it. Yeah, and it doesn't seem all that, I mean, the VIX suggests it's pretty orderly. The VIX at, what, 22 or so? I mean, the last time we've seen sell-offs of this magnitude, we had a VIX that was either side of 30. So, the VIX doesn't seem to care. Um, you know, bond yields, which 10-year went north of 1.8, are seemingly settling down a little bit. Maybe it's some sort of flight to quality. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Again, I think you know my view. I think rates continue to go higher. And it's just the market adjusting to, I think, a higher interest rate environment. There's nothing out of the ordinary here, as far as from what I can tell. Well, so, well, the only out of the ordinary thing, guy, is that, you know, a Zoom is down 70% from its all-time highs made late last or late 2020. You know, Square is down 50%. I mean, these are companies that had real market cap. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess, you know, large pockets of enthusiasm in the stock market have absolutely crashed. And so, you know, those, those sorts, that sort of price action has, 
different effects on different people, how they invest. So if you're a single stock, you know, you invest in single names and you're buying the hottest, shiniest things, you know, in the run up during the pandemic when there was a lot of liquidity and you're stuck at home and you had a lot of cash or you had easy on ramps and everyone was really bullish. Well, now you're getting destroyed. And we're seeing that in crypto, you know, at the, at the, at this moment, you know, Bitcoin's down nearly, you know, 40% or so um, from its recent highs. Many of the altcoins are down a lot more. So I, I guess I wonder is like, we've heard all of these demographic uh, information about new entrants to the market and the easy on ramps and, you know, uh, democratization of information. But what happens if all of these people or a good chunk of these people, you know, were just speculating and they end up losing a lot? I, that could be a good spot to bring on Danny Moses, the aforementioned Danny Moses, who's our co-host on on the tape podcast uh, that drops every Friday in the podcast. So, Danny, what's up? What's up? Can you hear me? Okay. Wow, Danny, actually using technology like a like a boss. <laughs> By the way, the only reason, the like the only thing that changed was the calendar. I think all of this would have happened in the last ten days of December if it wasn't kind of the end of the year markup, you know, markup band time. So nothing's really changed. If anything, I, I think I tweeted this out before. We've talked about it on on the tape. I'm surprised the Powell testimony or the Powell confirmation here is not getting more press only from the standpoint of he's going to get grilled. And if he it all indicates that, you know, he could change his tune a little bit. And believe me, I'm not bullish, but I just feel like we may have overshot here. And the one thing we've definitely overshot is Fed fund futures now at least four better than 50 percent chance of four hikes this year or something like that. I saw this morning. I think people don't appreciate the amount of debt that's out there at the federal level. And if rates were to go sustainably higher, what that would actually mean. So I'm in the camp of they maybe want to raise four or five times. They actually raise a few times. Um, like, I, I think they never pull out the uh, they never stop reinvesting runoff, in my opinion, at least this year, I should say. And I, I think we're going to go more towards a little bit of a more dovish stance, I said, I should say, from this overly hawkish stance we've kind so, of gone. So, Danny, let me ask you a question real quick, because that's interesting. And, you know, I have a view, and I'm not suggesting I'm correct, but, you know, I think there's this belief, maybe correctly, that he said Powell will get grilled tomorrow, but he will get grilled on the market and then therefore potentially have to become more. I would suggest he's going to get grilled, but the market's not even going to come up necessarily. It's going to be more like inflation is out of control. What are you doing? He actually might be more hawkish tomorrow. Is that a consideration? I mean, I guess it's possible. But like I said, it's hard to get more hawkish than four to five rate hikes this year. I, you know, I just think, yes, I think the market actually might come up tomorrow because depending on what side you're on the, on the political spectrum, it, it, you know, it could come up. But I just think that we've kind of listen, we're six days into the into the trading or whatever, the however many trading days we've had now at this point. It's pretty much been down nine out of 10 days, at least on the queues and the market's been down. And so I just feel like we're due for a little bit of a bounce and a reset. But I'll tell you this. I'll start getting concerned when the 10-year yield actually starts dropping. And people are going to be like, wait a minute. There's inflation. Why is the 10-year dropping and the yield curve starts flattening? Because that then tells me what is correct, is that if the Fed starts to raise rates, what's going to happen to the economy and to the business cycle? And it's going to slow dramatically. That's where I believe where I would get much more concerned, more prone to want to short the market into a stagflationary kind of market in you know if that were to occur that's kind so, of my thought. so danny so you think near term you think pal and you you use the expression depending upon which your political spectrum or something you think that um 
this really is about, you know, 2022 being a midterm year and Powell getting reconfirmed. He said he was going to take on inflation, but that also means that he can't kill the market. And, you know, listen, I think once you get by his confirmation, which he will clearly be confirmed, I, I think it would be a disaster for him to change any sort of tune, you know, in front of the Senate confirmation hearing tomorrow. It just would just show how little credibility they have, what, you know, what, so I told you whatever credibility they have, whatever shred is left. I agree with you, will be lost completely if he doesn't indeed become dials it back a little bit and then has to go back on that again. And then it's like, what are they doing? They have no control. And then we're in a real problem. I'm just saying for short, short term setup and people like racing to sell stuff right now. I'm just saying I believe there could be a relief rally in store tomorrow. Again, short term trader. You guys know how I'm how I think longer term in this market and and what's going on. So I, I agree with you, Dan, whatever credibility is left could be shredded. But there still is a little bit there. People need to pay attention whether they like him or not. Danny, I know you appeared in that movie that I have yet to see, but I'm hoping to watch it tonight, maybe at halftime of the uh, Georgia-Alabama game. Go dogs, sure. by the way. Yeah. Go dogs. By the way, yes, who, they just got their asses handed to them the first game. I can't believe it's going to have the same outcome. With that said, um, Michael Burry, who is typically very early, uh, and, and always seemingly very right. This time, not only was he um, spot on in terms of his out, outlook, but his timing couldn't have been better in the form of the ARC ETF. I mean, can you speak to what's going on there? You know, a lot of people say to me, well, if she's so steadfast in her beliefs, you know, why is she getting out of things? And the answer is because she has no choice. Can you sort of speak to what's going on in that ARC ETF? Well, she has no choice. If outflows are outflows, sell what you can, not what you want to. And I haven't even looked, to be honest with you, guy, at like the portfolio, con, you know, construction at, at this moment or how much she has diverted away from some of the themes just to buy certain things or sell certain things and the makeup of the portfolio. And I'm at the point now where, again, I don't despise her at all. I think she has good intentions. But I think, listen, she'll be back on CNBC, I'm guessing, in the next 24 hours talking about the great threads and, and you know, all the all the great themes that she has in the portfolio. But listen. You don't want an, an actively managed e ETF that is subjected to flows like that, where I think the themes are becoming, um, I should say, you know, the, the themes are being exposed for what they are. And, and you can only own so much Tesla, right? You can only own so much of these names. And so it's a portfolio construction problem. So that's your first problem. The second problem, there'll probably be stock selection. And it works until it doesn't, right? I mean, the flows can hide, a, good flows can hide a lot of things. But when the tide goes out, She's pretty exposed here. So, unfortunately, I think it's only going to get worse. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I'm kind of sick of talking about that. I feel like yeah. from here on out, we should maybe start talking about individual names that fall into it. And I'm not I'm not giving either one of you guys any crap. Um, I'm just, in general, it's just like. No, it's it a is, great point. It, you should buy up what. Vehicle. And, 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 you know, yeah. here, here's one thing I think is going to be really important. And, Danny, maybe you have some thoughts on this. There was just in red and Bloomberg uh, a headline that Tiger Global lost 7% last year, its first annual drop since 2016, uh, which, you know, doesn't seem like that long ago, to be frank. So it's kind of interesting that that's the headline. But, uh, you know, hedge fund performance was really bad last year, too. So, you know, ETFs had a hard time chasing growth or chasing, you know, like kind of the hottest stories um, in tech. So Tiger Global, very smart hedge fund that probably charged two and 20 um, you know, they lost money. So, you know, like my buddy Timmy says, spoos and twos, you know, spoos and twos. Um, now the twos aren't working out so well with the yield moving this way, but spoos certainly have. And that, that trade has worked very well for the last 10 years. Would you say so? Yeah, but I think your point you just made is a good one, whether it's ARC or something else. 
let's not talk about ARC per se, but if you look at the, she will oversell, some names will get oversold that she happens to own. And those are opportunities. So to your point, Dan, look at, look at what makes up some of those ETFs. And there, I'm sure there's some good companies in there, bottom up, that are just getting now dinged that never should have gone to the levels that they did on the inflow side and probably shouldn't go to the levels that they're going to go on the outflow side. So you can make that point. And listen, I, we, are, we are moving into a stock pickers market. We've been talking about that for some time. You can trade ETFs, that's fine, to express sector views, but do the bottom-up work here because there's going to be tremendous opportunities. And we, th- this is nothing relative to what the market has done in the last three, four, five years, right? I mean, yeah, it feels bad right now. We always say, oh, people talk about what a sell-off. Oh, we can sell off 6% when it actually happens. People get you know, frozen a little bit. Don't freeze. But also, this is not – this. like if, if you're bearish here, nothing's happened. If you're bullish yeah. here, nothing's really happened. Like we're still kind of in no man's land here, in my opinion. And so, listen, it really goes back, whether it's spoos and twos and well, the twos is really the Fed, you know, what, what it comes back to. And that's just the amount of liquidity that was being pumped into the system is now being effectively either drawn out or not being pumped. And that's it's that simple. It's money. Well, to guys, yeah. you know, he said, if you don't fight the Fed on the way up, you know, it, you know, the opposite should be true. And here's a good example, like Salesforce.com. CRM, okay, and it broke out to a new all-time high in, uh, I want to say the summer, in like July, June, July, or something like that. It broke out above 240, 250, and then it went as high as 311, and this was in November. And now the stock is trading at 223. So who is that on? Like, right? Like, who is that on? Is it passive investing? Is it all these genius hedge funds that are down on the year last year? Like, so it's basically... It's, it's just round trip the entire move in a way. And I don't think Salesforce, I don't think the guidance that they've been giving quarter over quarter, if anything, there have been some disappointments. There's been stuff to pick at, especially back in November when they reported. So I, I guess my point is, is like, you know, this is kind of on investors who are chasing and we're seeing it in like all different pockets of risk assets. You know, anything that hasn't been bolted down, whether it be housing, whether it be art, whether it be digital art, you know, PFPs. NFTs and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, like this sort of reckoning and this this happened after the, the, the dot com implosion. It happened after the um, housing, you know, kind of uh, bubble. I mean, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people learn really hard lessons uh, this way by just kind of chasing. So, I mean, I don't think we're done yet. I mean, that's that's what's really clear to me. So, yeah. And you look- oh, ahead, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, okay. I was gonna, just I was just going to add on top of that quickly. I mean, even the names that seem seemingly were just Teflon and loved by everybody, Lululemon's down 31% since the middle of November. I mean, that's a staggering move. And, you know, we can, there are a lot of other names like that, but just to point out how quickly these things lose favor. Yeah, that's a good, hey, Danny, you want to weigh in on this one as far as we enter into earnings season at the end of this week with banks, and then we're going to get into, you know, the meat of it next week when they, gave some commentary this morning. They talked about Omicron. They talked about how foot traffic was down. Stocks getting nailed today. Um, it's down 6%. And like I said, it's down nearly 30% from those recent all-time highs. Do you think we're going to see a lot of management just say we got nothing to lose to give conservative guidance or really if they are looking at weaker trends in the quarter just ended just to kind of blame it on the variant? I mean, shame on the companies that needed capital that didn't raise when their stocks were way up, right? That, that actually could have, that wanted to believe. And to answer your earlier question, Dan, or your comment, you know, the quant funds that look at rate of growth or so forth. Yeah, there might be 
nothing wrong, but all it takes is like a 2% change in the growth rate. And then all of a sudden, all the ETFs and quants start selling a name because it, quote, lost its momentum. So it lost some factor. This is what I'm talking about, about passive versus active and looking and taking opportunity. And people just go along for the ride on the way up because it's a great company. And I'll add on to your other point. I think what it is, Dan, more than 50% of the stocks now are in, a, in some type of correction territory in the NASDAQ, I believe. It's something in that magnitude, if not more. What that means is that the, the horses that you talk about all the time, the five or six big names, by default become a larger piece of people's portfolio, right? Because if they're not selling those things, they're getting hit. So those are a larger percentage of their portfolio. And that's why you're seeing Microsoft now down 8%. As far as earnings guidance, like the one that I can't get past from two months ago, and I'm not in front of my screen, but where is Macy's stock trading right now? 25 inch, I think. 25. So that was, if, correct me, it went to the mid-30s on that kind of great quarter and guidance that they gave, I think, three months, two, two or three months ago, correct? Or six or eight weeks ago, something like that. Those are the type of things that where they got ahead of themselves because great inventory management, great. I hope people go back to stores and shop, but it got to a multiple that made no sense, but people needed a place to park their money. So they chose what looked to be the shiniest object in the room. So Dan, I, I don't think it should be shocking. People, if your stocks, you know, if, if you're confident in your fundamentals and you're building, you're managing your businesses correctly, then you're honest with the street, you set expectations, and then you beat them. Because over the long haul, that's what investors will give you credit for, is that you underpromise and overdeliver. And I think we've reached a point in this market, we're in kind of the overpromise, underdeliver category in certain names right now. And you, you know, it almost makes it like when stocks trade down, we ask ourselves, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong with the fundamentals of a company. It just never should have been at the level that it was. And so that's what I mean about, you know, doing the work. It doesn't take much to take a 35 multiple down to a 27 with actually improving fundamentals. But the market kind of risk risk adjust return just changed. And that's yeah. all that's really happening. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I think Macy's got up to 37.95 and I think it's 25 and a dime right now. And it, things happen quickly. I just mentioned this just to mention it. I don't want to talk about banks in a second, Danny, but. You know, GameStop, and I'll, and I'll use a bad, I won't use a bad word because this is being taped, but it had some um, interesting headline last week. You know, they're getting into the NFT business and the stock had a huge rally to the upside. Well, just, you know, just to close that little loop, it's literally did an entire retracement back to that 120 what, level. Which were were probably, you going to say Fugazi? It had a Fugazi. I, well, there's other words I'd use. You know, what I said on the show that night was, you know, they came out and said, hey, you know, we're getting to the NFT business. Great. Then they closed the conference room door and looked at each other. It's like, OK, what are NFTs? And I don't even think that's that far from reality. Anyway, banks, Danny, obviously not nearly as important to the broader market as they were a decade ago, but still important when you start to gauge, you know, where the economy might be heading, health of the consumer, all those types of things. I think we have J.P. Morgan on Friday, maybe Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Then obviously the rest of the banks next week. Any thoughts on the banks heading into earnings? Yeah, I think the banks are being viewed like they're, you know, you know, utility stocks almost. They have a dividend, they got buyback, their balance sheets are very safe, they're not that expensive. So you can pull money out of tech or growth and kind of go into these names. What I'd be concerned about is not the fourth quarter being reported. I think that'll be very strong. I'd be concerned that one, with this type of sell-off, how good could the outlook be for the IPO calendar, right? And M&A. And then, you know, two, like consumer credit has definitely peaked. Is it falling off of a cliff? No. But you saw the credit data last week that showed the biggest growth in consumer credit in a long time. Well, rates are going up and consumer credit. A lot of that stuff is variable. So I would not be surprised if there's talk of potential taking some type of reserves. Again, 
credit's fine, not to spook people. And that is, was a huge tailwind in 21, right? Because we never saw what we thought would be the losses on the consumer side because of the amount of stimulus that came into the economy. So there's some type of reconciling that's going to have to go on there. And I think they're fine, but I would not, I don't think we're going to see prints from the banks and then a chase to the upside, maybe flats are slightly down. So I'm not bearish on the banks by any measure, but I just, people need to watch what they own. And the banks are all different. Some are more consumer, some are more Wall Street focused. So they're all, some are more mortgage, some are more auto. There's a lot of stuff people need to look at. Again, don't look at the XLF, pick apart the XLF and pick a stock that you like. So that's all I'll be so, so Danny, on the consumer credit front, you know, a name that you've talked about on the podcast, I think you probably talked about on our spaces, this Carvana. I mean, this stock has Woo! been cut in half. Well, I know, but the stock has been cut in half, man, in, in like, you know, four months. And, and uh, we bring it up because it has a $28 billion market cap right now, down 50%. Still? So, so got, yes. So, oh, guys, okay. you, could, you could do the math what it was at its highs, and we spent so much time tracking GM and Ford's market caps, right, as, as they've kind of had these rallies of late. That is a serious, still a serious market cap. Is that more credit-related? What do you think is going on? I mean, just in a nutshell, and then let's kind of move on a little bit because we yeah. only have a little bit longer. Market there. conditions, you know, financial market conditions are slightly tightening. Nothing crazy. That's one that obviously hurts their, their profitability in, in the gain-on-sale markets for loans and the securitization market that's one two i think that the their main product has peaked in terms of what we're starting to see the anniversary of used cars and that they can only go up so far because before they become unaffordable that's hitting at the same time and three i just think there's a regulatory overhang on the company they don't make money from selling from buying and selling cars they make money from the you know offloading these loans to their friendly father's company ernie garcia the second um drive time and so this thing's vulnerable now. And it's funny. We always talk about the stock price move down makes people take a closer look. When you take a closer look at this company, we talked about it last week when the stock was over 200. When you piece apart, where do you buy it? To your point, why is it even worth 26 billion? It doesn't trade on earnings. It doesn't trade on EBITDA. What's it trading on? You know, what is this vehicle, no pun intended, that I, that I own? So I think it has more room to the downside and God forbid, or God willing, there's some type of investigation into this thing. It's, it, you know, it's going to fall off of a cliff. So again, I'd rather own a CarMax or an AutoNation. It's a cleaner way to play that, quote, market rather than play the securitization game market of uh, car. Uh, quickly, because this thing is really green, and there's a pun intended uh, right here. Tilray is up. They had some results. The thing was trading off of all-time lows this morning. Um, what's going on in cannabis? Is there anything? And then we got to hit DraftKings, guys. we got to hit DraftKings um, and New York betting. But let's, let's hit this thing. This is our little vice section of the, uh, of the show here. You know, they, they merged with Afria. They had some, obviously, cost savings to take out of there and that type of stuff. But the revenue growth is still not that impressive. That's not how I would express my trading cannabis. I'm not going to short that stock here. But it was obviously due for a bounce, and it'll probably go right back to where it was in a day or two, if not later today. The way I play Whoa. cannabis is the U.S. names, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I like the U.S. MSOs, and they're going to be reporting earnings here soon. But more importantly, for better or for worse, it's going to be driven by what's going to come out of Washington. And we had a false start with the SAFE Act late last year. I hope we get something enacted, or at least brought again here in the next coming weeks. Lots of bills, expungement bills, criminal justice reform, which should happen. And, and I think these names are buys here. They're just going to be dead money for a little while. There is no institutional sponsorship in any of the U.S. MSOs. The only institutional sponsorship, ironically, is in the Tilray's and canopies of the world because they trade on the u.s exchanges so 
I think we'll see a shift from the Canadian names into these U.S. MSOs once we get news of the safe actor actually can trade these things on the U.S. exchanges. If, if right. like this with the repartee, you should all uh, tune into and download it, your favorite podcast store, which is such an asshole thing to say, but I'll say it. On the well, tra- because I say it all the time. I'm the one who kind of reads you know, that line, and it's an podcast. asshole thing. Yeah, I have a fa- it's like I have a favorite fast food meal like the whopper is my favorite and, but every once in a while I go, but i mean your favorite podcast store really anyway uh by the way danny i like the lou manheim index the best when i'm looking at my scars <laughs> i know yep the best <laughs> right, just, just just to be clear what guy doesn't understand is that actually people have a favorite podcast store because it's not like you, no i understand because i use apple but some people use google if they're on android or some people like on spotify all right you know, by the way, quickly, um, I I had Android a few years ago, but I found that there's salves for that. Anyway, back to you, Dan. Dan, oh, Dan, Dan, prior to you going yeah. into DraftKings, let me just announce to the listeners, this is the first week all season you did not lose money. You didn't make money, but you did not lose money. So I, I want to just lose money. I split with you. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, I'm so, saying with me, but, with our balance did not inflate. DraftKings because I got, a, I, got a, I got an email that I could finally – use the sports book in New York. Yeah. So this is this guy, Patrick Keene, who um, I think we kind of all know, I at least know him through Twitter. He tweeted out this morning and maybe Amanda will put it in the, um, in our little spaces here. It said he's uh, at the action network um, volume from NYC's five boroughs alone exceeded 8 million larger than any other standalone state total within the U S turns out New Yorkers like to bet on sports. All right. So DraftKings, they can't even get a can't even get a, a, a little uptick here. The stock's down seven percent. What was your take, Danny? On was every I know you're down in Florida, but was everyone you know up in New York's uh, New York City just betting on uh, NFL well, yesterday? Did you? Why don't you mention to the listeners the deal that they were giving you? So their marketing costs, customer acquisition costs are still massive, right? I mean, you were given basically a thousand dollar bonus, a thousand dollar risk free bet. If you lose it, I didn't work- get it. No, it, Why? I didn't get it because I already had an account. Okay, um, so if people want a new account, they'll give you a $1,000 bet. And if you win, you keep it. And if you lose, they'll reimburse you and deposit that money back in your account. This is giving you $3,000. I mean, talk $3,000. So I tell you what I want to own. I want to own the companies that do all the stuff, that, that provide all the technology behind it. I want to own Sport Radar, S-R-A-D. I know it's volatile. I think it was 19, 15, 16. They're a profitable company. They're providing all the data. They have the rights to all of the data. So if you want to make a, a bet on the over-under, on how many passes Aaron Rodgers is going to throw, they're the ones that have that, that license that data out. That's what I want to own is the quote. I'm not going to call them a SaaS play, but I want to own the software, the high-margin stuff behind it to you know, experience that growth. That's how I look at that sector right now more than anything. So that's, I guess that you know, I, can't, I don't know when DraftKings is going to start making money. It's a great franchise. It's, it's obviously a great business. Well, they're um, probably doing some pretty simple math is what the customer acquisition costs are and what the churn is. Yeah, but like, Uber and and Lyft, sort of but like Uber and Lyft, it's a platform, so I'll just jump to the next one, right? So as a gambler, I'm like, all right, let me open up another account. Let, you know, how many options do you have in various Well, no, states? you probably but, have multiple accounts and anybody right now giving you those sorts of deals. But then ultimately, it's the experience, the user interface, the yeah. customer service, uh, maybe some social aspects that come into it that are really going to drive the train there. I mean, l- listen, just because it came in New York, I mean, like they have plenty of data around the country, you know, like as, as far as just these sorts of trends. All right. Yeah. W- w- we only got a couple minutes here left. 
guys, we're start. I'm starting to see more names turn green on my main fact set page here, people. Um, do we have one of those huge reversals off the lows? I think the Nasdaq has already cut off half of um, its huge baby. The lows. I know, Danny. You called me this morning. Said you're buying them. Um, I don't tell anybody that publicly, Dan. That wasn't. No one should know I'm ever buying anything because then I'll lose my. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no. I think it's going into. I think people are looking at the Powell thing. It's January 10th. We're not going to go down 2% every day, right? It's just, so I think we're due for a little bit of a bounce and then sell. But I, I kind of felt, kind of feel that, that the market, people have to put money to work in, the, in January, right? You know, pension funds, people have to put money to work. You alluded, by the way, I mean, your NFL record is just beyond reproach. But there is a football game this evening prior to the Ranger hockey game. And I said, I heard you say earlier, dogs, baby, but. You want to opine quickly on tonight's national championship contest between the Crimson Tide of Alabama and the Bulldogs of Georgia. So for those people out there that don't know, I'm, I'm born in Athens, Georgia. I attended Emory University, but I always maintain my affiliation with the University of Georgia because my whole family went there, basically. And I grew up a crazy Georgia fan. And now I've been scarred the last several years with this Kirby Smart Saban thing that Saban owns all of his previous assistants right he just crushes them i i want to believe because george is favored which is shocking to me that they're actually going to win but if stetson bennett comes out and gets so-called punched in the mouth and throws one interception or makes one bad play it's going to spiral out of control so he's got to come out like he did against michigan and i think georgia can finally get it done it's been since 1980 you know january 1st 1981 when georgia beat notre dame um 17 to 10 in the sugar bowl uh, but so I'm pumped up for tonight. I, I, I'm not going to pick the game because my heart's too much in this thing. So I do think Georgia's got a very good shot here. I love Danny Moses. I think everybody loves Danny Moses. And I encourage you all to race out to your local blockbuster, rent the big short. It is having never seen it. <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs> love you guys. All right, Danny. It was great to see you. Um, you guys, download our episode of On the Tape from Friday. We had Fun Stratton, FS Insights, Tom Lee, the three of us, talked about his outlook for the markets in 2022. We talked crypto. We talked gold. We talked energy. We talked cyclicals. We talked mega cap tech. It was a great conversation with Tom. Um, we also Tom also joined me on our new podcast, OK Computer. Check that out. We did about 20 minutes on crypto, just on crypto, on OK Computer. That was um, a great conversation, so check that out. Uh, my friend Rick Heitschman, a co-host of First Mark, came on. We talked about just volatility in the public and private markets as it relates to valuations and tech investing. Um, and then this Friday, um, Danny, do we have anyone to who, – who's coming on with us this Friday for On the Tape? We have some uh, – we have a very fun couple of guests. So um, some guys that you might or might not have been in the big short with. Um, so check that out. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thanks to CME. Who sponsors us? See you guys. Later.